0: And we are back. Back with another episode. Well, me. I'm flying solo. KT is not here. Um, if you have been on our social media or KT's social media, you know that she's dealing with a, some some things right now and she's trying to get some stuff situated. Um, you can look at her social media or ours to find out more about that and how you can support or just send positive vibes her way 100%. Um I think that's pretty much it. Hit us up on all our social medias. You want to get in contact with us? Uh, Let's get right into it. We are on the top of page 166. This period of capital accumulation, invention of new machinery, its use in expanding factory setups, the closed economy created by Republican government legislation, and the direction of certain amounts of capital through government contract were in part the beginnings of a new chapter in the authoritarian process of Western history. Industrial centralization. I mean the refined tactics of monopolized capitalism may have been developed right here in the U.S. This is a logical place to question some of the old left's historical assumptions about the last hundred years of life. Analysts of the old left are completely confused by the differences between bourgeois democracy and monopoly capital and their manifestations on the American scene. They seem to feel that both can coexist. In the same society. Actually, one simply grows out of the other. Monopoly capital is the central objective of corporate fascism. Prior to the Civil War and the emergence of the trends toward monopoly capital, America was dominated by bourgeois democratic economies and political rule. The economy was based upon the diverse ownership of many thousands of factory units and a political arrangement to reflect that fact. However, with the emergence and expansion of monopoly capital after the economic impetus of the Civil War, bourgeois democracy naturally began to fade. Bourgeois democracy, the political rule of the bourgeois, simply cannot exist after the emergence of monopoly capital. Monopoly capital has its own political expression. It develops as bourgeois democratic political rule declines. The roots of corporativism, fascism, were laid with the expansion of monopoly capital into the giant cartels, corporations, and interlocking trusts. The owners of the largest share of the nationals' GNP will always control the political life and government of the state. Monopoly capital is corporativism, fascism. I don't think anything that ever happened in Italy, Spain, Germany, or any of the other capitalist states can match the centralizing process that the U.S. went through in the last hundred years. Even the so-called public utilities, AT&T, the Santa Fe, the Pennsylvania RR, Western Electric, Western Union, are owned by financial institutions that, on examination, always turn out to be controlled by a few families who are descendants of the industrial expansion of 1865 to 95. The traditional Anglo Saxon concept of law, founded on the latent principle that the haves must always be protected from the have nots, though it did not attack labor as openly as England, effectively prohibited the emergence of any real strong labor movement until the close of the 19th century. It didn't prevent the war profiting Rockefeller-Petroleum combination from forming. It didn't stop Western Union from taking over the telegraph industry. It didn't stop Samuel Slater and the Boston Associates from tying up all the New England textile interests. The Transcontinental Railroad hookup, May 19, 1969, Union Pacific and Central Pacific, could not have never been accomplished without government and commercial cooperation. Corruption and lawlessness were the basis of their commercial success, but no one was charged or punished by law. Any individual, on the other hand, who joined someone else to to effect any increase in wages was guilty of conspiracy. That same law is still used to protect the same interests today. Anglo-Saxon law supported F.B. Gowan of the Philadelphia and Reading Railroad and its coal subsidy in cutting wages and breaking unions. Just as it supported the KKK in reconstructing Southern East U.S., King of the Baltimore and Ohio, Tom Scott of the Pennsylvania, William Vanderbilt of the New York Central, every time I hear the word law, I visualize gangs of militiamen or Pinkertons busting strikes. Pigs wearing sheets and caps that fit over their pointed heads. I see white oak and barefooted black hanging or snake eyes peeping down the lens of telescopic rifles or conspiracy trials. 1. Mankind is biologically sick. 2. Politics is the irrational expression of the sickness. 3. Whatever takes place in social life is actively or passively, voluntarily or involuntarily, determined by the structure of masses of people. Four, this character structure is formed by socioeconomic processes, and it anchors and perpetuates these processes. Man's biopathic character structure is, as it were, the fossilization of the authoritarian process of history. It is the biophysical reproduction of mass oppression. The human structure is animated by the contradiction. Oh, five! The human structure is anim- animated by the contradiction between an intense longing for and fear of freedom. Six. The fear of freedom, of masses of people, is expressed in the biophysical rigi- rigid rigidity of the organism and the inflexibility of the character. Seven. Every form of social leadership is merely the social expression of. The one or the other side of the structure of masses of people. W. Wright, The Mass Psychology of Fascism. Um, We want to go back to um, what George was talking about when he was talking about law. What does law mean? Um, And and who creates the laws and who gets to determine what is and what ain't law. Um, And he said, you know... The Anglo-Saxon concept of law is founded upon the, the fact that the rich want to be protected from us, the working class. How can, how can they be protected? And that's what the law does for them. Um, I mean, we can, we, we can see this all the time. There was a video of a black girl, supposedly, don't even know if it's true, shoplifting at the TJ Maxx and trying to uh, run out the store. Some white men tackled her down. Right? People calling that man a hero. A hero. yes, yeah, stop these criminals. They're over here stealing this and that. But let me post a story about some insider trading that's been going on. Let's talk about how these corporations are lobbying for us to have worse lives, less pay. Let's talk about... Let's talk about how these people, corporations literally run our government. That's not a crime. That's not a crime. Let's talk about how these banks literally destroyed lives in the housing crisis and got bailed out and got more money. That's not a crime. That's not a crime. Okay, so what is a crime? Oh, a crime is when a working class person does something to disrupt capitalism. Or does something that could possibly harm a rich person. That's a crime. Notice these rich white men. Rarely, rarely go to jail for any of their crimes. Unless the victim is another rich white man or a rich white woman. That's the only time you're going to see these rich men locked up in a jail. Bernie made off. Because the law is made to protect them. The law is not made to protect us. We see that every day. We see that every day. Do you feel protected? Do you feel safe? Do you feel that your government cares about you? Do you feel that if something happens, you have a safety net? Do you feel that if you walk outside you you, you will be okay? You ain't got to look both ways before you cross the street. No, because it's not made for us. It's made to keep us in line. And, I mean, it it is what it is. And you can say, well, what about this? There's certain laws that are this and certain laws that are that that's put in place. But we already know. The police enforce the laws, right? Okay. You try to get the police to investigate anything it's like pulling teeth. Every time I see a story, like people do story times on TikTok, people do story times on YouTube, people do story times or just watching true crime. Every time something involved the police, every single time they say the police either didn't care, they were taking too long, they didn't listen to the person, and the the victim or whatever uh, had to figure it out themselves. And the police came after they figured it out. Like, yeah. But that's going on tangent but it's true just remember that guys remember that police enforce the law of the rich the police ain't listening to you you do not have no say in these laws don't let these folks get it twisted you don't you just don't um okay so going back to what he was talking about these um the mass psychology of fascism um I don't agree with all this stuff. I don't know who this man is. I don't agree that man is biologically sick. Um, But what I can say is, I do think that there is a intense longing for freedom and fear of freedom. I, I do believe that. And I think we can see that even now. Like when you ask people what do you think about a world without police what do you think about a world um where you're not governed by rich people and you actually have a real say in your life and your destiny people automatically go into well who's going to protect me who's going to do this who's going to do that who's who's going to do who's going to who's going to but as soon as somebody says something like "put on a mask," then it's oh, what about my rights? I have a, I have freedom of speech. I have a freedom of this. I have freedom of that. You don't have freedom. Freedom is scary for a lot of people. Freedom is sometimes scary for me. Because we're used to we're used to, in our fam our. Uh, Parents are used to, grandparents, everybody used to a structure, a governing body telling you where you can work, who you can worship, who you can love, where you can go, what neighborhood you can live in, what you can be when you grow up. Like, we don't even, we can't even conceptualize something like that. We can't conceptualize freedom. We can't. And, um... Yeah, so that is something that I do agree on, um, but it's something that you know within ourselves. This is why it's just it's important to read and research and learn and, and talk to people and just get into that frame of mind that a lot of this stuff that we've been taught about humans being inherently evil, people being inherently bad, people being inherently selfish—it's all bullshit to get us to just fall at the knees of uh, uh, authority power to help keep all the bad people in check. It's bullshit. Okay, I've been talking long enough. All right, back to it. Revolutionary change always involves the complete alteration of the structure of property relations and the institutional substructures that support them. It leads from hierarchy to mass society. The ruling class in the U.S. is composed of one million men and their families. The Rockefellers, Vanderbilts, Morgans, Mellons, DuPonts, Hunts, and Gettys, Fords, and their minions' independents. They use the Ivy League universities and elite law schools as private schools for their offspring and as a training ground for their corporate hirelings. They rule with iron precision through the military, the CIA, the FBI, private foundations, and financial institutions. Their control of all the media of education and communication comprises an extremely effective system of thought control. At this time, when the ruling class was forming a hundred years ago, the International Worker, Working Men's Party supported strikes that acts only for reformist measures. Although it was aware, even at the time, that reform was not the solution, and it quietly advocated the seizure of the materials of production. The dichotomy between the longing for true freedom and the fear of its responsibility was apparent even then. Early radicals excused themselves by claiming that they were exploiting the inherent contradictions of monopoly capital. They hoped that the masses would spontaneously awake to the fact that capitalism had grown decadent. But capitalism reformed itself, apologized to no one, and went on to build a network of national and international centralization that stands unrivaled by any hierarchy past or present. Reformism is an old story in America. There have been depressions and socio-economic political crises throughout the period that marked the formation of the present upper class ruling circle and their controlling elites. But the parties of the left were too committed to reformism to exploit their revolutionary potential. The latest round of capitalism reform, the latest redirection of its energy, was its highest and last form. The struggles of the 30s, 40s, and 50s completed the totalitarian of the country and perfected the system of total mass social deception. I've learned men, I've had learned men tell me that control capitalism, monopoly capital, fascism, corporativism, or whatever your vernacular is for a welfare statism. This is precisely what we were intended to believe that the political takeover by monopoly capital was actually an advance in the welfare of the common people. Even the old left promotes the lie that valid concessions have been made by the ruling class as if deceptively better working conditions and illusory wage increases were Marxism. Oh my God. A true Marxist revolution abolishes the wage system. The true welfare state would be the final and highest stage of social development where the world and the state are one, where the material and psychological needs of the masses have been met and political regimes have ceased to exist. The New Deal and the resulting military-industrial complex as welfare statism, I swear, will strangle the next idiot who repeats that line. Thank you, Jesus. Amen to that. Amen to that. All the ingredients for a fascist state were already present. Racism, the morbid traditional fear of blacks, Indians, and Mexicans. The desire to inflict pain on them when they begin to compete in industrial sectors. The resentment and the seedbed of fear is patterned into every modern capitalist society. It grows out of a sense of insecurity and insignificance that is inculcated. Into the world workers by the conditions of life and working under capitalism. The sense of vulnerability is the breeding ground for racism. At the same time, the ruling class actively promotes racism against blacks of the lower classes. This program racism has always served to distract the huge number of people who subsist at just slightly higher level than those in a more debased condition. In the eighteen seventies, the strikes frequently ended in anti Chinese or anti black lynchings. Oh my god. It conforms to the dual requirements of the authoritarian personality. Conformity accompanied by compulsive sadism. Racism has served always in the U.S. as a pressure release for the psychopathic destructiveness evinced by a people made fearful and insecure by a way of life they never understood and resented the day of their birth. Let's go to that. Let's go to that because that can be said about any of the bigotries that we got. Racism, specifically anti-blackness, um, classism, um, transphobia, homophobia, ableism. You know when people would talk about when you was a kid and somebody would be making fun of you or doing whatever and your mom would be like, It's not you, it's them. They got something going on with them and they're projecting that onto you. That's literally what all this shit is. All these people, all different walks of life who have embraced, who are embracing this bigoted, these bigoted worldviews, terrible lives. Terrible lives, no meaning, no substance, horrible life, horrible working conditions. No answers, no solutions, no nothing, because I, myself, do not have the mental capacity or the mental want to think of anything different, to actually question society. I'm just going to blame somebody. We talk about this every single time. I'm just going to blame somebody. And that's what America and white supremacy, all this stuff does. It goes up under there. air. Yes, blame, blame. Oh, my God, these black people, aren't they going crazy? Oh, my God, these Hispanic people coming over the border. Oh, my God, these trans people, they go into the bathroom and they pissing in the bathrooms. Oh, my God. God, all this PC culture, all uh, the this and all that. They put the boys' toys with the girls' toys. Oh my God, dude! Have you even did you? Have you even had a a lunch break? When's the last time you had a vacation? When's the last time you had a raise? When's the last time you was able to spend a holiday with your family? Priorities, man. Priorities. But there's no time to think about that when you can let out. What do you say? Let out all that frustration. Let out all that stuff that you got built up. Let it all out. On the perfect, the perfect people. Everybody. It's a party. It's a collective gathering together of community of bigots. Let's let this all out. Then we can kiki, ha ha, I'll feel better about myself. I'll go to sleep, go back to work, do what I love again. Horrible lives. Horrible lives. And and it's, the further you go down to bigots, like, especially marginalized, people that's already marginalized and have the nerve to have some type of bigotry, it's like, yeah, you really are extremely down bad. They're... I don't want to say there's no hope, but to 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 see how society operates. I'll just go with black people. To see how society operates. Built on slavery, literally the blood of our ancestors built this country, right? We're still not getting respected. We're still getting gunned down in the streets. We still, all this stuff is still going wrong. These people are horrible, right? They don't care about us. But somehow they got it right when they said that trans people were uh, pedophiles. Somehow they got it right when they said that, you know, some people don't deserve to live because they have disabilities. Somehow these same people got that stuff right. It seems like you also do not want to think about something different. You just want to alleviate anti-blackness, but you don't want to liberate yourself. You don't want to liberate others. You just want to you know, get by. Just have a little bit better of a life. And then uh let go of some of that frustration on somebody else. And that is that is that's the story of what we got going on right now. It's just people. And and that's why it's it ramped up um after COVID. We've been talking about it. And if I say this I feel like I repeat myself every damn episode because this is just the the point that George Jackson is trying to put out there. This is the breeding ground for fascism. That's why we're here. All this stuff is why we're here. It's always been here. It's always been here. But at least to explain it. You know, this isn't something that just popped out today. This isn't just something that popped out after Trump. This isn't Trump's fault. This is what America needs because the the country is going to shit. So, I feel like I say that every single time. But it just it has to be reiterated um and it's just so interesting that he said after all the strikes after all the strikes we're gonna lynch we're gonna lynch some people but we still we still we still catering to anti blackness we're still catering to uh racism interesting interesting um In the U.S., World War II was the principal cause of the total breakdown of the working class movement and its revolutionary consciousness, which had been built up by the crisis years of the 30s and all that went before them. Lesser attempts at suppression had been made prior to the war through the typical reformist policies of modern fascist regimes. The economy had been closed, banks regulated, deficit spending had been practiced on projects like TVA and CCC, the arms race that eventually culminated in the fascist military Industrial complex-based economy broke the closed economic ideal. Two conditions distinguished the successful establishment of fascism in the country. The old guard parties copped out and supported a nation-state ruling class war, which wasted the blood and energy of their proletariats. At the same time, resistance to the war would have seemed like... Simple common sense. If Stalin gave the order to support the US war efforts, he was a fool. In any case, the old vanguard support should have been for the people's struggle inside the US. With a little more patience and sacrifice, Stalin could have eventually marched into the Atlantic. With all of Europe in ruins and the Germany economy already in its final stages of disintegration with the US presence in Europe, Capitalism could be dead today. Instead, U.S. imperialism rolled to behemoth proportions. After the war, international markets opened in Europe, Africa, and Asia, with the flea market of radios, TVs, and novelties here at its center. For the sake of those trinkets and baubles, the labor elite diffused the righteous demands of the people. Consensus politics formed as a result of their defection simply solidified the totalitarian regime with all the opinion-molding facilities under the ruling class. Elections and political parties have no significance when all serious contenders for public office are fascists, and the electorate is thoroughly misled about the true nature of the candidates. One cannot say all the people who vote are unaware. But as one cannot say, 1,200 professors who backed Mussolini were all frightened. Those who are aware and still do nothing constructive are among the most pathetic victims of totalitarian process. The necessary shock troops and tools for creating the false contrapositive psychosocial basis of a fascist-type pseudo-society were in short supply in this country prior to and during the process of the fascist takeover. There was little of the consciousness among the middle classes, so the first terror came from the specifically formed and hired goons of the DuPonts and Rockefellers, the Black Legion, the Guardians of the Republic, the FBI. They destroyed already the disintegrating vanguard, leaving the degenerate elements of the working class as the only available mass. Class relations were slowly altered as a result of this action by the co-opted labor sectors. Government agents were sent to infiltrate scattered labor movements. The disguise was complete. The satisfaction of labor's short-term economic interests was made possible by the giant consumer's market and the military complex. Ties were formed between rulers and labor leaders. The elites of the proletarian movement were compromised. A ruling class and its governing elites were centralized and were carefully co-optive. A Fascist Arrangement Death in prison for all who object. Fascism in its final insecure state. It has happened here. And the only recourse is an appeal to arms. The corporative state allows for no genuine free political opposition. They only allow meaningless gatherings where they can plant more spies than participants. They feel secure in their ability to mold the opinion of a people interested only in wages. However, real revolutionary action will draw panic-stricken gunfire or heart attacks. Okay, let's go back up because this dude, he was spitting. Dude was spitting. Okay, so let's go right here where he's talking about um, elections and political parties have no significance when everybody's a fascist. We talk about that daily. I mean, that I'm just restating it because there's nothing else to say. There's nothing else to say about that. One cannot say all people who vote are unaware. Just as one cannot say 1,200 professors who backed Mussolini were all frightened. One cannot say that these professors, that these academic people who literally get paid to read books and think, don't know what the hell they're doing when they're telling you to back Joe Biden again for the 40th time and a Democrat and just saying, well, you know. The other choice is so much worse. Angela Davis, Noam Chomsky, all these all these uh, smart people. Smart, smart, smart. vote for Joe Biden. So they they are pathetic victims totalitarian process pathetic victims what a shame i don't want to be one of those all right and um then he started talking about um how the government started to co opt the labor sectors the the labor sectors that were left and um you know they were able to do that, and any type of anything that was going on, it's over with. It's over with. The government, it's it's inside. The government is inside. They're telling you what to do. They're collaborating with your boss anyway. And it's over with. And that's what's been happening with our labor unions for forever. Remember Joe Biden said he was the most labor union. What the hell he said, the most labor Pro labor union president. I'm sure you are, because who all in them? Who all in them seats? Who all over the the unions? Exactly. They don't make you no progressive. They don't make you no, oh, anti capitalist. Um, and then the corporate state allows for no genuine free political opposition. Hmm. They only allow meaningless gatherings where they can plant more spies than participants. Just, just going to leave that there. We're just going to leave that there. Real revolutionary action will draw panic-stricken gunfire. So next time, next time you, you, you see a gathering you hear about a, a, a movement. You hear about an action. Just, just, just gather the environment. Mhm. Gather the environment. When, when, when the panthers were out there in the streets, were they escorted? Did they have a uh, police walking them down? Did they have stuff marked off? Or were their guns pulled on them? Yeah. Because they were about that action. Are you about that action or about that parade? Because we can do a parade all day, but that ain't gonna happen. You know that that's not real. That's not what we're trying to do. And I'm 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 tired. And I would think that everybody else would be tired by this point. How many protests have we had in the past three years? I feel like. Majority of people should be protested out. I feel like the only people that's still doing it are people that's somehow getting paid or something. I don't, I don't know. But this was in the 70s. Stop. I just need everybody to read this. We do not have to repeat the same stuff over and over. I am just going off. <laughs> but I guess this is where everybody gets for me being off uh, a week. Let me know what you guys think. I just, it's when you read more and more of this, the more it makes you so irritated. Like, the more I read this, the less I can be on Twitter. The more I read this, the less I can be on social media. Because I just see people just being so fake. And and it's like, you, it's not even that they don't know no better. Y'all know better. And you're just misleading people. And you're getting people riled up. And you're, you're taking people's energy, precious years off their life, precious time, precious money on some bullshit when we could actually be doing real shit. But we got it, guys. Continue to work. Continue to educate. Continue to get your knowledge up. And we can combat this type of stuff with knowledge and with organization. All right. Well, this has been gabby and uh this has been building our power you can hit us up on our social media um if you would like thank you again for everybody who's donated to the patreon um we'll be going to kroger i'm gonna do kroger pickup tomorrow and put some stuff in the fridge we put some stuff in there last week And uh, we hope to put some more stuff in there now. Now that we got a little bit of Patreon money going, I think we got 70 bucks. So we'll get $70 worth of stuff, put it in the fridge. Thank you, everybody, again for supporting. Um, Yeah, this has been Gabby, and this has been Building Our Power.